Hello and welcome to Getting Goosebumps, the weekly podcast exploring the business of storytelling, where I interview many of the world's greatest marketers and storytellers to share their insights and ideas of how to put emotion into marketing. Hello and welcome to another show of Getting Goosebumps. I'm your host Brian Adams and this week I have the absolute delight of talking to the VP of Media Analytics for Nielsen and author of Implementing Word of Mouth Marketing, Idle Kakim. This week we discuss the timeless fundamentals of marketing communications. Idle shares how successfully crafting stories to manage and entice listeners and also connect with them on a personal level is all about finding the hook and making people care. Undeniably, there's lots of value to be found in empathy, but measuring it isn't always easy. It'll explain how to quantify this by looking at factors such as sales and focusing on the intention behind buying something. Finally, it'll answer the million dollar question on content and storytelling when it comes to viral content. If you want to start spotting the telltale signs of your viral, I'd suggest plugging your headphones in and having a listen straight away. We also discuss why personifying a story is so important for great content and why sometimes keeping things simple is often the best route. Really great episode. I suggest you have a listen and let us know what you think too. So, uh, Adil, thank you so much for joining me today. Really appreciate your time. Sure. Um, Obviously, the, uh, the, the author of the, the great book, which I've referenced in my own uh, implementing word-of-mouth marketing. Can you start, Adele, just by giving us a little bit of context as to what, what motivated you to, uh, to write the book? Sure. Um, at the time that I decided that um, I should give a shot at writing a book, um, I had switched from a research role to a hands-on um, implementation campaign management role at a, a well-known agency in the U.S. Um, and internationally, uh, Golan. Um, they're a PR communications agency, and um, you know I was in the thick of things, and I still um, was realizing that um, even though um, people understood the importance of communicating through social media, integrating other digital. Uh, media assets into their plans and thinking holistically, um, they had a challenge getting to that point of implementation and more importantly, measuring and showing the impact of what they were doing. So I thought it would be a valuable contribution to the field to write something that focused about implementation and uh, saying, this is how you do it. It's doable, it's manageable, it's measurable, and it can and it should be um, a part of your plan. So that was my thinking behind it. Brilliant. And you know what, what I like about it is it's um, it, straight away just just from the title, it's it's straight into the sort of the basic principles of of timeless marketing. And I'd be really interested to get your insight into you know what what makes effective storytelling or or, or what makes an effective you know what are the effective ingredients of something that's worth um, telling other people and things that spread? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, You nailed it when you said timeless uh, fundamentals of uh, marketing communications. Uh, While the medium might be, so to speak, fairly new to people, and there are new things, new apps, um, new um, ways of augmenting your voice in social media that come up um, every day almost, 
some of the principles still apply. One, we have to think through what makes a headline, what makes something catchy, if you will, or those are the marketing terms, but what makes something fundamentally relevant for people? Uh, why should people care about um, a story you have? And we have to find that hook. And then um, I find that um, human stories, um, while they may not be, you know, um, you know, a sample of a thousand when we speak about them, they still exemplify um, and make people able to relate to a condition that might exist or um, a situation that people are experiencing. Just exemplifying something through the eyes of someone that people can sympathize with and empathize with is huge. Um, and then um, having a context to people's lives. I mean, those things that we just have to think through as opposed to, um, say, uh, boldly saying, buy this product, it's at a discount, or buy this product, it will work for you. Um, so a lot of thought has to go into making a story um, relatable, sincere, and um, something that would make someone lean forward in their computer and compete with, or on their phone, um, and compete with all the other things that they're being exposed to in the day. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. A lot of um, a lot of the time, we see um, yeah, great great marketing in one respect, but actually, there's there's context missing. And you know, do you think? Do you think some marketers and professional communicators still neglect to put sufficient time into understanding their audience? Absolutely. I mean, there are a lot of um, blanket media buys, if you will. So in my current role at Nielsen, which is focused on uh, media analytics, I interact a lot with people who are working on media plans and media buys. And that gave me another perspective on um you know, how sometimes the plans for the sake of covering broad reach neglect nuance. Mm -hmm. So I just recently published a very brief post about, uh, for instance, the importance of target thinking through this uh, when targeting millennials. It's the hot topic in town. Everybody is after this massive generation in the United States. It's They're going to be even bigger than um, boomers. So the thought is when you... Um, target something to uh, millennials, millennial adults, um, you're going to do great because there are just so many of them. Well, it turns out that there are so many fragments amongst them, and they're all going through different life stages, Different, they expose different lifestyles. You really have to think of the difference between, and it's all logical, but we just have to think through it when planning, the difference between, say, a college student between the ages of 18 and 21 versus um, a 30-year-old woman who still would qualify to be a millennial but would have so many other things going on in her life, such as expanding family, um, growing career, and would have a different perspective to products and services um, and a different kind of budget and priorities than, say, someone else who would be typically classified with her in a big buy but, um, but would need a different type of messaging and different context, obviously. Yeah. Okay, I mean that's that's really interesting to, to me. I mean, we we talk about um, persona mapping and empathy mapping, and then obviously validating that that thinking and and, and theory and, and research. But for for those listening, thinking that this all makes perfect sense because you know the more you understand about your audience, you know the the easier it is to talk in their language. Can you give us some? Um, practical ways that anybody can go about finding out what matters about their audience? 
I think number one, there's so much um, information already abound on uh, social media and elsewhere on the internet. Um, uh, doing a scan of your um, topic area in social media, you can do this manually, you can do this with free tools, or you can hire a firm um, that will give you an assessment of the types of topics that are most talked about, what is the buzz about. Um, that will give you a qualitative feel for what are what issues are top of mind. The things that get written up on, about online are usually things that touch a nerve. That's why somebody would take the time to go in and post, um, either positive or negative. So you get a read, a lay of the landscape from that. And, um, and I think that's a great start uh, to, you know, before you start even thinking about your research and planning. And then I mean, we can talk about research um, doing before you start doing um, a plan. But I think that's just simply, if you're a small business, Googling, looking through social media sources, reading about um, from blogs that are highly visible. Um, and if you have a little bit of budget, um, investing in some social media research uh, would be a great start. Because mm. I guess all the information's out there, and it's amazing, isn't it, how many businesses neglect just to use the information that's readily available and you know i'm sure um you may be able to sort of cast your mind back as well when this information wasn't readily available businesses invested so much more in trying to find out doing surveys and sort of long-handed ways of, of trying to get insights um and there's so much of it, information at our fingertips now isn't it but still marketers are using guesswork or pushing out content from their own perspective. Any idea what motivates businesses to do that? Is it just, is it just ignorance or, or, or what? I don't know. I think it's a matter of priorities and, and some old habits die slowly. Um, the thought and then um, the thought of um, doing your research before um, you go into field with a program um, is still something that works against that muscle that just is used to thinking about research after the fact and saying, what just happened? How do I measure ROI on this program? And the other challenge is we're talking about hard and soft metrics at the same time. I want to go back to something interesting that you said. You used the word empathy. Mm -hmm. There's so much value in that. And it's so hard to quantify it. So from a business perspective, um, you need to show numbers or you need to look at your own numbers, um, seeing did I achieve growth? Did I reach the right people? Did it make a difference for my business? And the way to measure and show that is by maybe looking at sales, maybe looking at intention to buy um, something or intention to engage in a um, particular type of action. And when you're trying to spread a story online or elsewhere, you really have to induce empathy, right? You have to draw the customer or the target audience into your story and, um, and, and create that link. It's a soft metric empathy, but, and how do you measure that? How do you make sure that it resonated? There are ways to go about it, but um, when the goal is to create empathy, so your story spreads and then show business results, in terms of um, you know moving the needle in one way or another, I think that there we lose uh, we drop the ball as as all marketers we drop the ball somewhere along the line. Few uh, can go from that soft metric to, uh, making sure it's achievable and and measurable to um, showing some hard business results. Mm. So 
Adela, as an expert of word of mouth marketing, when you look at content, <clears throat> there must be a couple of sort of um, telltale signals, you know, and, and obviously it's, everything should be evidence based. But when you look at content, you probably will have a good idea whether it's gut feel or whether it's, you know, based on experience and some research that comes front of mind. What are the telltale signs when you look at content, you know, when, when you're assessing? Do we think that'll be viral or, or has it got a shot at, um, at spreading online? I, I think that's a million dollar question. There are some um, tried and true techniques like um, video gives you more space to tell your story. And that's just commonsensical than, say, a banner ad that can just remain maybe informational nice to know or good to know, but um, the video with uh, more animation or music even um, can harp on those emotional strings and and tell more of a complete story and um, people pay more attention to visuals than, um, say, written information in, the, in this in cluttered information age. So those things help. Um, ha personifying a story so people can comprehend it more easily, using human uh, the human factor, that helps. Um, I was just telling a colleague who was working on a white paper the other day, I said, from my experience in working in PR agencies, I just know that people can digest only so much research when you're pushing it out for um, to tell your story or to make something more public they can maybe take one lead factoid so one big number that okay. they can easily digest and put into perspective um and then maybe one or two supporting points but that's it i mean the minute we squeeze in more numbers into a story we lose the audience and there are some fundamentals i mean there is uh, the context of um your brand reputation your customer service um, all of those have to be stellar for you to be able to navigate through the waters of internet um, or, you know, mobile communications without hitting a glitch. Hmm. Okay, that, that's, that's interesting. I mean, because, you know, keeping it simple and leading with one big number or using the sort of rule of three, that, that, that makes absolutely perfect sense. I mean, I, I've been reading for a while now that uh, they say that people have an attention span of just 12 seconds online. <laughs> now, on one hand, I'm just mildly insulted by that. Um, you know, on the other hand, it's kind of bemusing and uh, makes you think. Do you think that's true? Um, do you think that we our attention span is getting shorter because of the amount of content online? Or do you think that's an excuse of people who are, are getting traction with their content? I don't know if if it's 12 or 10 or 14, but I do know, I do observe, and there are bodies of work that are being done uh, by scientists right now on uh, how this has become the illness of the uh, century right now because of the technology that we use, the way it's shaping the way we process information and think about things. I do notice that people have um, quite a bit of impatience with longer stories. Mm -hmm. So while a video gives you more time to tell your story and maybe a higher chance to make it go around in relevant circles, um, you immediately think, well, people sit through my video and how can I make it more compelling? Mm -hmm. So a 30-second video would be more successful perhaps than a 60-second one. Yeah. Or a recommendation from an influencer saying you have to watch this would go a long way and make people sit down and pay attention to it. But I do notice um, that people, especially in business context, um, just need to, to find the takeaways 
and they are expecting miracles out of that. I mean, you, there's value in paying attention to a story and understanding the depth of it. But unfortunately, when people are tracking multiple screens, their work screen, their personal phone, their work email um, on their f- cell while they're moving from point A to B, and maybe something else, um, you know, and, and the news are now infiltrating into personal spaces and social media. So uh, there's so much more information that's coming at us, like you said, and it unfortunately does shorten the patience and the time we have to absorb the gist of a story. And that is a challenge for marketers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and one thing people are using now, marketers tend to be, and, and this is a, a word I'm hearing more and more of, is um, authenticity. You know, and, and you alluded to, the, right. to, to sort of credibility as well. And, you know, especially if you get an influencer uh, endorsing something, that will tend to, you know, pique people's interest and get their attention more. Um, it, I'm, I'm a little bit sort of concerned that the word authenticity is being sort of overplayed and it's almost like, oh, the next tactic is to um, synthesize authenticity uh, because that's what we've got to do now. Um, how, how important is authenticity and, you know, what's the best use of it? And I guess in the context of going back to empathy and creating the right context, what's the best use of authenticity that you've, that you've seen or how would you use that as a vehicle to best effect? You can't fake it. That's that's the headline I would le- I would go with on that. It is very uh, important to anything you do in social media because it is a more emotional medium where people share stories, and and it has a lot to do with the way people will perceive your brand and believe in your brand and and choose to circulate the information about it. Uh, I think you can't hit authenticity with one social media post or for like a month and then drop it it has to be imbued in your brand character and the way you build a social media in that sense um, or any kind of online communication or mobile communication in that sense is an output is a result is a showcase of that Um, the way to build it is is from the roots of the brand and everything that you do with your company from um, the way the C-suite communicates with the audience, the way your products um, you know, d- are displayed on the shelf to the way your customer service responds when something goes wrong to the way you um, invest in the local community and, um, and choose causes for corporate social responsibility. I think it's that holistic character um, that will be, the context in which your messages will be reviewed. So it's very important, but then it's not just in the tone of the social media post. Yeah, okay. I, mean, I guess um, part of the whole authenticity aspect, I mean, you've got to decide to be authentic, first of all. I guess that's what you're saying ac- across the landscape. But it's also an opportunity to show your your flaws and you know um, share a little bit more with your audience. And again, that resonates from an em- empathy point of view how you handle um complaints and that kind of stuff you know that that can be powerful from a marketing perspective absolutely and and the ones um again we go back to the fundamentals of crisis communications but the job is harder now because information spreads so much faster Mm -hmm. and there's so many other comments to deal with but whenever we have a marketing story let's say a very positive story to share um it's imperative that we think about a crisis plan something can go wrong at any point and you have to think through okay 
if this happens, what am I going to say on Twitter? What am I going to say on Facebook? What am I going to say on my website? What am I going to um, send to my mobile list, to my email list? And um, be ready to push the button at a moment's notice. And then internally, if it's, it depends on the size of the organization and who's making these decisions, you have to have key people already assigned to sending these messages and approving these messages. Um, it, it's perhaps easier to respond like this. Maybe you're more agile if you're a smaller organization. If you're mid-size and larger, you have to have the plan and make the assignments before you go into field. It's very hard to get people to think about bad times when they're very proud of the work they've done and they're hoping to push out with that positive story. Yeah, of course. Um, a recent example, but the trick is, the one trick is to, re to say as much as you can say, as quickly as you can say, <laughs> okay. and, and to say it. That is the golden rule. The longer you wait, the more, uh, the you know, less transparent you are, the more trouble you get into. Okay, so and sorry, you said that the speed of reacting is, is key. Um, absolutely. Saying as much as you can say as fast as possible. Okay, that's, that's, that's right. Right, and, and being transparent, and that bodes well with, uh, you know, authenticity and brand reputation, and which goes a long way. And a good example that comes to mind uh, that was recent here, at least in the United States, um, is from, and they handled this, I think, perfectly well, um, Kind Bars. Uh, I don't know if uh, you guys have them in England, but they're um, healthy uh, nut bars, um, snacks uh, in the States, and uh, their claim is is that, you know, and they show it to you because the packages are transparent um, and they're just clear like it's a combination of healthy nuts and, um, and that you can just um, have to carry between meals or, or whatever you like to enjoy at your leisure but it's a healthy snack brand and um, they recently had um, and that was their claim uh, kind is healthy uh, the federal uh, regulators in the states um, did not agree with one of the statements they had on two of their 17 plus products. Um, they have a number of things out there. And um, the way they use the word healthy was not um, appropriate, apparently, in that context. Oh, okay. And and But the story that came out was uh, that healthy, uh, kind bars are not healthy, unlike you know, the, the, their claim. So they have a number of products. Only two of them are just, they just needed to change packaging and claims on them. But then look at the story that came out. And I um, heard their CEO and founder speak at a conference about this shortly after the incident. Uh, coincidentally, he was booked to speak about it. He addressed it head on. Um, he wove it into his story. Uh, the company issued statements. He said, our fault. We shouldn't have said it that way. And he went on to, um, so that's huge, being able to apologize. Yeah, yeah. And then he, he went on to um, explain that it was only with two of the products, not the whole thing. And he also pointed out that that was the first negative publicity they had had since the inception of the company, the only one. But look how it affected. It fizzled away. They handled it beautifully because they went out with correct information and they apologized and they fixed it. Um, so owning your mistake is a big deal to um, eliminate negative reviews online, but um, it did, you know, spike up there for a little while. Well, and that's the danger, isn't it? You can build a reputation you know, over a number of years, and it can be lost, you know, very quickly, or, or certainly exactly. you know, it can be damaged. And one thing I was going to uh, ask you um, 
Adele, I'm really interested in, in your, your opinion here because sticking with the theme of authenticity and you know, uh, storytelling online, I'm starting to think that you know, we need to look deeper into an organization, way past the marketing department towards the HR directors and um, you know, the, the area of the business that's very focused on the people mm. to look for those true stories, you know, those sort of brand legend stories that typically every business has but neglect to tell very well. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm just wondering on your take there, um, if there are companies out there struggling for stories to tell, um, how, how can they go about their organization to find stories that would uh, help amplify their brand online? I think there are some, I mean, as an employee, I the best practices that I see are those that, um, again, that touch upon the human factor and exemplify the way people um, work in that particular company. Work-life balance, for instance, is a huge topic that's, that's I think, universal, mm -hmm. especially for women who, you know, may be the primary caregivers for their families and also have to work or want to work. Um, so those universal themes and exemplifying how you can maybe achieve that in the workplace, how you contribute to the workplace, um, how you contribute to the local community, thanks to your job, um, having uh, those stories be communicated um, goes a long way, um, especially in a knowledge age where people are your assets more so than the hardware or the desk or yeah. Um, and then obviously the product that you put up, but you still need the people to create that. Um, I think, I think, um, underscoring the culture, um, in an authentic way, not in a glib way saying, come work for us because it's an excellent company, but really showcasing what goes on in the day-to-day -day lives of those employees of different levels, different backgrounds, um, goes a long way to give insights. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's so true. And, you know, sometimes we audit websites within the, within our agency and some of the most viewed pages are the team page and the jobs page and this kind of stuff. And, you know, um, it's a big part of a of a brand perception online. It's not just the marketing department. It's pretty much uh, everything a brand does, you know. And the people, because you know, we've a lot of what we've talked about in the last um, twenty five minutes, all comes back to people understanding and empathising and that kind of stuff. So, how how, how would you? How would you advise the um, our audience, our, our listeners, to use their team, however small or large, to help their word of mouth marketing on online? I think everyone is the brand. Mm. Um, everyone is a brand representative. Um, whether you are only speaking to your family and friends about your job, or you have a publicly facing uh, position, be it um, in management or customer service or um, product lead, um, I mean, I say trade show, but uh, public or private, you are uh, representing the brand. So uh, treating your employees well goes a long way. There's no second to that. Um, making sure that the company meets its promises to its people and then, you know, obviously gets what they need out of them, but uh, make, meeting the promises uh, goes a long way. Then people are happy to talk about their jobs. People are happy to promote the product. They're proud of the work that they do. Um, there's no price ticket you can put on that. Um, in a, it, second to that, um, something maybe more tactical and practical is coaching you can offer to all employees because everybody's 
going to use social media. You can't curb that. Um, what do you say when you know you want to talk about your work? When should you hold back on some details and maybe be okay to share some others? You know, if you're working on a new product, maybe you don't want the competitors to see it just yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you are proud of what you do, what are some good ways to show your um, pride? And or if you want to share what you do because it's good knowledge, um, you know how can you put your opinions out there? Offering some guidelines, having some um, practical guidelines that everybody can understand and and apply um, would be very helpful. Like if you're writing a blog saying that these are my opinions, not my employers, but then not curbing that person from or limiting that person from writing that blog, I think is a good strategy. Yeah. And it only helps reputation, like I said, because when people look online, they'll they'll just Google and or go to a search engine and find all this information. Oh, absolutely, it's so powerful. But jumping back into the marketing department now, um, when all of this good stuff is happening, you know, there's nice word of mouth starting to spread, using your team and the brand reputation it is building. Um, how, how would you advise uh, a head of marketing or somebody responsible for amplifying that, that um, word of mouth? Is researching influencers and reaching out to them still, still relevant? You know, can, you, can you still sort of manufacture that amplification to a degree? Yes. I mean, I don't know if they, I would use the word manufacture, but I know what you mean, like plan for at least. Yeah. Um, absolutely, because the way information spreads through this channel or that channel, um, it's still very much going back to the fundamentals since the dawn of time. I mean, there are people who are perceived as opinion leaders and their word matters. Um, and context is very important in this case because not everybody's going to be an expert in everything. But finding a community of people who would be willing to take your message, harness it, and share it because they believe in it is still um, key. And uh, now the tools have changed and they're advancing even more rapidly. And to our, you know, this may be getting more fragmented, um, but that fundamental thread of uh, spreading information uh, still holds true. Um, how do you get it to the masses? Do the masses have to up, you know, adopt it before you can claim that, you know, it's become viral? That's a whole other discussion. Um, but finding influencers to propel your credible influencers to propel your message still works. Yeah. Adela, reading, reading your book that you wrote in 2009, what I like about it is it's, you know, it's largely still extremely relevant. Um, you know, there's, there's still, you know, lots of people can learn right now. If you were to write one more chapter in 2015, what, what do you think it would be about? What, what, what would the addition be to your, your book? So, uh, one thing that I started working on um, was um, interviewing people, and it's only remain a qualitative project, but maybe in the future I can turn it into something bigger. Um, interviewing people who have reached significant audiences um, without advertising, without any marketing. So, I interviewed a, a handful of bloggers. Um, I mean, I their blogs and tweets uh, and other presence in social media was, was, was what was apparent to me, but I interviewed them um, to understand how they get got started and how they managed to grow a community without, with their, with their, just with their writing. Mm-hmm. So holding all resources constant that would be available to a given brand. How do you get uh, people inspired? 
And uh, this is qualitative finding. Um, so, but to me, what was interesting was uh, that they all loved what they wrote about. They intrinsically found what they were uh, communicating um, interesting. Uh, one was a blog about a neighborhood, you know, what's going on in the neighborhood. Another one was about marketing. Another one was about, um, uh, again, communications, but, um, you know, for small businesses and women. Um, and they all seem to have this common thread of um, writing more so for themselves, but being just in love with what they wrote. Yeah. And so it's, and, it's passion. And, and, Passion, exactly. Again, going back to emotion. Um, I would love to build on this and see if, I mean, today it's almost impossible to penetrate through the clutter without advertising. Uh -huh. It's impossible, whether you're doing public relations or, um, uh, you know, uh, grassroots marketing, you almost have to have, if possible, you know, a paid budget somewhere to just break through, get a little bit of reach. Um, it's just a reality, Absolutely. It's, but you can still, there are those fluke instances where you do break through and, and how do you break through? That's, that was always my question. Like if you don't have the resources or you have it, but you just have to be authentic despite the resources, sometimes you can't break through and it doesn't just go, what do you say? What do you do? So that would be, um, just looking at that, um, passion, emotion, love, love of what you do, creating content through an interest area would be uh, my addition. Absolutely. And, you know, I think passion and, and purpose, you know, I've seen that be at the heart of lots of sort of successful um, influencers' journeys as they rise to the top. Um, you know, I'm going to be <laughs> open and honest. My, my strategy is to talk to experts like you, Adele, um, you know, because I know people are going to find, I find this content so, so interesting. Um, I could, talk to you all day um, and, and actually I'd like to talk to you again at some point if that's okay but for, sure. for, for, for now Idil could you, can you just tell everybody listening where they can find out more about you and, um, and, and where to read what you're up, up, up to now and, uh, and obviously about, about your book Sure. Um, I think a good uh, go-to address is my blog, uh, which connects to my newsletter and LinkedIn profile uh, and everything else that I do online. Uh, it's .wom.com. So it's a play on words like online word of mouth, D-O-T-W-O-M.com. Fantastic. Fantastic. Idil, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thanks so much for being a guest on our podcast. Uh, it's been my pleasure. Thank you. So that's it for another week. I really hope you enjoyed that conversation. If you did, please feel free to subscribe or even check out our Getting Goosebumps marketing book available in Amazon. If you have any specific questions, you can also tweet us using the hashtag AskPH. I'd be delighted to answer your questions. Until next week, goodbye.